igniting, inspiring, and evoking the fire within. After tonight, you may not be wiser, but oh, you will learn. I can only say this. It will get better. The sunlight is a whole lot closer than you think. You owe it to yourself to see it through one more try. You're listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. On today's episode, a poet, a writer, an actor, proud to call him a friend and a fellow arts by the people presenter, he's Nick Davis. Nick, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. Thanks. Thank you. The Thank you for the kind words and the lovely introduction. Of course. Uh, it, was, it was well thought through, and um, as I've done a couple of these at my humble abode, my home, I, I feel like we're... Um I feel like we're President Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev at the uh, the summits back in the 1980s with the fire in the background. Yeah, or President Roosevelt, right from from yeah, from, from the 30s. From, yeah, from the 30s. Well, let's let's go ahead and do it. Uh, you are a man uh, of of many hats, and uh, to just uh, to go on before or to start before this, Nick and I met at a, at a something that I just mentioned, the Arts by the People. It's it's a little um, get together that we have uh, over in Madison, New Jersey, uh, the first Wednesday of every month. And Nick and I have bumped into each other a number of times there and struck up a, a nice little friendship. Nick, you you said that you're 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 a poet, a writer, and an actor. Which one of those three platforms do you find most fulfilling? Uh, right now, poet. It's definitely a poet. And I do writing when I'm not at the platform. But right now, that's what I've been doing. And it's been kind of nice. Because when I started off, um, just a little bit of background. I started like as an actor because... Quite frankly, that was the one activity I could do that my mother didn't have to worry about me getting knocked down, knocked down and knocked over. And so I did that, and then I followed that passion for like a good long while, up until I turned about, I'd say, maybe 24. And I just, I was at this point in my life where I wasn't really getting any work as an actor. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't feeling the same fire that it had you know year years ago up to that point and so i just thought you know maybe i put this on the table and poetry and writing had always been a thing i'd done like on the side poetry has been one way that if i find it hard to communicate about something particular uh poetry has always been there to help me just kind of ease through it and then present said poem said poem in a way to help yeah there's great there's great freedom in poetry yeah that I've, i i yeah. found there's uh, there are very little parameters and for me it's uh, and like you're t- saying right now it's it's quite it's quite therapeutic quite therapeutic very um you you said that um, you come from a long line of of educators. Yeah. Um, where did you acquire your love for poetry? Was it from one of those educators? Uh, it was my grandmother on my mom's side. Had she lived in a Man- Midtown Manhattan, and she had a 
like on the west side near like the Museum of Natural History. And I remember a couple times going over as a boy and as a teenager, she had this massive library, like completely huge of like a bunch of literature, but particularly black literature from black writers. And I just sort of gravitated to that. Uh, the fact that I met Dr. Maya Angelou when I was in seventh grade was a massive uptake in the uh, nature in the activity of poetry. Like, okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's one major influence. The other, my father was was a teacher and taught English. So I have always held a love and found a fondness for the power of creative fiction, if you will, and poetry was like a byproduct of that. Uh, when I, But I think a big one, another big one, was uh, when I was seven years old, um, I was in this... Uh, in school, and we had this week. I think of it was a Dr. Seuss read across America right thing, and um, we had a poet come into my class, uh, into my classroom, and explain to us like the joys of Dr. Seuss and all and poetry. And I don't know what it was about his delivery, or maybe just about how passionate he was about the subject, but I was all in from like the get go. Do you recall his name? B.J. Ward, shout out to Mr. B.J. Ward. He's a teacher and um, he's a professor. And every so often he'll come back through the Marsh County area spreading beloved poetry. So B.J. Ward was a massive influence on me as a kid. It's an outstanding little story there of, of your your earliest days. I think yeah. it sort of sort of lit the fire. Yeah. Um, and let's get into it a little bit here. When I look at a clock, um, I notice that the hands go up and down and around, and it doesn't discriminate. Those those hands yeah. go up and down and around yeah. for everybody, and that is to say, metaphorically speaking, those hands go go up and down and around for everybody, and we all experience throughout our lives these ups and downs, heroes, highlights, and hardships. And I wanted to give you an opportunity now to um, share two of those three. Could you please share a hero or a highlight story and a hardship for a, a story for us yeah, right now? Happy to. You can uh, start my, either way. My biggest hero, without a doubt, has got to be my mother. Um, and she is my hero because... Okay. Um, when I was born, I was born with this condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is the uh, when a child is born, normally they have both sides of the heart. Mine, though, however, was um, I only had the right side, not the left. So, and once the doctor cut the umbilical cord, I went blue like a smurf. Um, so, and through, I had a bunch of different surgeries. Uh, the last major one I had, I was seven. And through all of it, uh, I always remember my mother being there. She, and then I'd, she'd always been, she's always been there to give me encouragement when I went away to college. And I was like in like my senior year and I was just like, 
I called her and you know it, it was just this workload was getting to me and I said no, sure been there I, I don't think I can do this and she said of course you can you've made it through a lot worse um, I know it's hard I've been there I love you but you'll be good and uh, we come from a Baptist uh, tradition so of course she interjected God into that little nugget of it device and helpful ways to get me through that moment um but yeah my mother has always been there uh and i asked her once when i was out of school i said uh you never considered once i was born the way i was born you never considered getting rid of me or dropping me off somewhere and she said no and she said believe it or not that was not an option I was ever going to consider, but that was an option that the doctors placed placed at me. What do you mean? Do and I and I asked her, "What you be?" I don't understand. No, and she said, "Well, no. The thing is, there are some parents who, when their kids are born with similar issues, they just up and leave their kids at the hospital for the hospital to to take care of, and just don't come back and forget about them." So when I think of that, and she didn't say it to guilt me or anything, but when she said it, I go, and through all of it, you still decided to keep, yeah, you you decided to keep me and said, I can never give him up. I would never give my child up. So that my mother, through everything we've been through as a family, full-blown hero status i don't even think the fictional heroes can hold a candle to what she's been able to do it sounds like they can't no it sounds like they can't it sounds like your situation um in college where did you go to school i went to a school at mitchell college in uh, new london connecticut, connecticut off of the long island sound okay so there um, in a very tough academic hour or two, you, yeah. you call mom. It seems like it, it was something you did subconsciously because yeah. you needed a little bit of a boost, and she surely did that for yeah. you. She yeah. surely did that. Um, and this can weigh into the uh, highlight story. Um, I think that my biggest highlight was um, I'd say it was graduating from college, but that's a little typical that's a little cliched um i know my mother would would say no that's a major highlight for me as your mom uh but my biggest highlight would have come from it was a little while ago i had done one of the thing uh one of the things we've done through uh arts by the people is we have several different programs we have jump the turn style which is gather poets from New Jersey and these uh, poems go on to be animated and then they're set to and then they have dancers react. We went to one uh, uh, a few weeks back, right? Yes, yes, that that was a big big one. Um, so my biggest highlight, I believe, was I'm there. My brother who lives in Annapolis is there. My mother is there. My sister-in-law. At that time, my niece had just turned one, and everybody was there, and everybody seemed 
just genuinely happy. Like, wow, you did a, you did this thing. These words came out of your mouth, kind of. And not like it's been, it was a big, not like I was ever a quiet child or a very just kept to myself kind of a child. But it was just, that was the first time post-college, I've post a scholastic setting, I've ever seen something I do creatively celebrated on like a grand level. Get received so well. Like yeah, this is, this is yeah, a, that was a big one for me. Right. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're out of the, the out of the academic bubble, I and mean, yeah. while you're not, while it may not be your quote unquote job, this is beyond just a passion for you. This oh is, yeah, this is yeah. a craft and that and was art the, form. That was the moment when it was like, oh no, this is more than a job. This is way more than a job. Not that I feed off of that sort of positive, creative, you know, feedback and whatnot. But it's like, no, that this this right here it means a lot. Um, not to go into like personal hard hardship. So let's go into a har- hardship now. Yes. Um, a big one might have been my relationship with my father. Okay. Um, not to say we had an abusive or a dark one. That that wasn't it. Um, when I was born, I'm. When I was born with my condition, that sort of put a wall up between my father and I. Um, he was he was nervous to get close to me, very because he didn't know, because you know it wasn't documented that hey kids who have this who are born with this thing they may not tend to live very long. So, so he didn't want to get close to you close. for fear that, that he'd get too close to you and lose you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, what ended up happening was during our... My parents separated when I was about six, six or seven. And as a result of not wanting to get too close, I have a younger sister who was born completely fine, physically, as I can tell. Um <laughs> She was born completely fine, and she became the athletic one out of the two of us. And my dad, my father being a football coach and into sports and of the athletic type and a jock, gravitated towards that a lot more and showed... It's what he knew, right? Yeah, it's what he knew. It was, all right, this isn't new, and I can work with, you know, Mm -hmm. having a daughter who's like, who wants to do the things that I want to do. So he gravitated towards her a lot more. And I always felt there was a level of favoritism and a bit of, you know, fear that I just couldn't understand because I was young. It was like, I'm here. I'm okay. Nothing. Just love me. Just Just love me as I am. And I'm sure he did. Um, But then it got hard because my father was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's along with Crohn's disease. And Alzheimer's, as you may know, tends to take away brain. Yes. Takes away the brain a lot. And so right when I started wanting to have a bit more of a relationship with him, his mind was not all... You weren't able to. I wasn't able to. And I was 10 years old when he died. And I, for a long while 
thought that his death was some form of punishment from God because I was not the athletic son that he wanted and because I had failed him in that sense and that I had you know when you're a kid you get close to who loves who loves you and shows you unconditional love and at that point that was my mother so I was always very much of a eh, bit of a mama's boy so that that's how I that was a major hard that was a hardship for me getting trying to get through that on top of I had an older brother I have I'm sorry not had have an older brother who when I was seven years old was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and he was not in my life as much as I wanted him to be when I needed him uh he you know he went to an uh a mental hospital uh the story my mom often likes to retell is um when I was seven years old we went an, a fam- a relative had passed away and my brother had not been taking it well and I guess just the morning after the funeral he had a bit of a breakdown and he would, I was wheezing in the house we were in and so he scooped me up ran me into a room and just locked the door and hugged me and I told him it's going to be I was a little too young to fully understand what was going on at the what time. was going on but just out of somewhere I ended up saying hey it's oh it is okay I am okay everything will be okay and managed to work and the last thing I remember seeing of my brother at that stage mm. he was in like a men- in the mental hospital holding a box over his head as we drove away so I had to kind of witness that and then I witnessed um, the last time I saw my father we he was alive but we were not able to communicate he was a vegetable in a sense and just at that moment I thought I, I must have been done I must have done something wrong as his kid to like warrant this kind of punishment even at that age you felt that way yeah I felt guilty and I felt angry, and I was angry with God for a bit, but then it was I was angry at myself because I thought, hey, no, this is, I deserve to have the lack of a relationship that I had with them at that point. How is your faith? Now, it, it's, been, it's been nearly 20 years mm-hmm. since, since, since he passed. Yeah. How has your faith helped you um, cope and get through um, those memories. Um, it helps in the sense that I know right off the bat he loved me. No Absolutely. way can I not deny that he did not love me. Absolutely, I know he loved me. Faith has helped me to understand that he had a he had a rough time showing it, and it was. It wasn't of his own volition that he opted to hold back, right. I think. I think for him it was much more of a... I, I don't know how I'm losing a part of my mind enough as it is 
So I don't know how to cope with. At this point, I was okay. I was okay. I was walking around going to school, saying hi and being friendly. But it was. You had that mask on. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't know how to reach out at that point because I think he was dealing with enough issues of his own. Um, this is the first we've ever talked about this. We've we've known each other for for a good long while, over a year now. Yeah. Um, and just to get my, if you wanted to get my take, if I could share. Yeah. It seems to me that your your dad um, was up at the point of your birth, just just someone. He was loving, but not very affectionate. Yeah. And I think he felt um, that he wasn't fully equipped. Um, he he was just very afraid um, because. He didn't know um, how to fully take care of you and love you in the condition, quote-unquote, that you were in. Right. um, That you were in. But you can see, um, without even knowing your dad, um, and it's it's your mother, too, and probably your grandmother, the the toughness coming through, because the way you're able to articulate it is... uh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Episode 48 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. We're getting a very in-depth look at, uh, at poet, writer, and friend and actor Nick Davis here. Nick, I think it would be an appropriate time now that people really know you well um, to share some of your art with us. Yeah. You have a couple of poems. Yeah, I got to. So I'll give you the floor. All right. The Tribe. Oh, to the platform. So if you wanted to, you get right into it. I like it. Just explain a little bit about the poem okay. and, um, and uh, this, so this what first, inspired you. This first poem came from being at or being at the platform. Uh, to, I had been about, I'd say, a year or a year or so into going there on a regular basis. And I wrote this at a time when I was... Just, I was being just utterly thankful and grateful that I had a, that I had found a place that I could come and air, and not just air stuff out, but like I could find myself artistically again because for a while I couldn't find I couldn't find that side of myself anymore. I had been a little dis- disillusioned with the theater world and the acting world. So I had at that point had said, you know what, I'm I'm good. I've exercised that muscle enough. You know, there are only so many times that a guy can walk into an audition room, pour all this effort into like scripted words someone else wrote and then go yeah, thank you. Um, we'll don't don't call us. We'll call yeah. you. And, and you know what that we, means. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, no, that. Um, so I, I wrote this at a point when it was just like, it was a poem to the people who helped me find myself artistically again, and the the platform. Uh, what we, we speak of is a literary open mic um, here locally in Madison, where I go, Madison, New Jersey, Jersey. and a lot of what is shared is, is poetry and spoken word. word. Yeah. The Tribe, O to the Platform. And O to the place that saw me struggle. It saw me struggle to fight the bastard called depression and self-loss 
whose lyrical voice called me back to the form in which I wrote my deepest thoughts. A group of folk who, they say a tribe is a group of people that you belong to. A group of folk who will claim you and call you theirs. And so this is for them. Oh, to the folks who pronounce proudly that you are indeed theirs and that when you indeed make it, they'll throw up their pens in a joyous salute. These are the folks who will love you. It don't matter whether you come bearing your words or not. This rough poem is from my platform, folks. The folks who who I let see just about just about every thing and stood there with open arms saying, Welcome. Oh to that monthly realm I call heaven. Oh to this holy place filled with the good folk. Well done. Ode to a lot of things. I wanted to ask you before you go on to, to your next piece, how often do you write? Um, are you on some kind of a regimen in terms of, of your art? And, and is there a place that you go to to write most often? Um, excuse me, sorry. I write as often as I can. Not as much as I, I should. Uh, I'll admit that right now. Regiment-wise, I ought to, I need to get better on that. But I write, I bring my poetry books with me everywhere I go. So whenever I get a thought, I'll write from that. I usually have some of the deepest springs of like, hey, you can write a poem about this. Um, when I'm just around enough people, when I'm around a lot of people, when I'm out by myself, because I don't really stay cooped up in the house all that much that much unless it's winter and snowing and cold um i'm usually out amongst people so i write there is a place i do tend to go and write to um it's in marstown it's in marstown it's behind new jersey yes it's behind this restaurant called the urban table and it's it's like a string of a restaurant and bars um so it's behind there, and it's in a nice little courtyard where you got two fountains set up in a nice um, little semi-amphitheater-like style. Uh, you got, like, garden flowers behind you, and you get to look up. And as you look up, you look up into, like, these penthouse apartment sort of deals. And it's the way I, I've created stories from there but I write the most when I'm there just cause it's like you're very you're private but you're very but you're in a very public space you're you're doing a singular act but it's to benefit like a greater amount of people um so that's where I write I write there just because when the home gets too crazy or a little too disorganized and that that's where I tend to go you have space, and it seems like a very creative space as well. Yeah. Excellent. Do you have another piece you'd like to share? I do. I do. Um, you know what? I will give you our... Um, he has okay. a library of poems. A library. A massive, 
as he flips through. Library, apologies. I know silence is awful. You don't want silence. Well, I had a, a friend say a really good line a couple of weeks ago that I've adopted as a, I don't know if you would say adage or dodge, but he said, he said to me, drawing on your power of language, say nothing. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, I'm going to have to yeah, write that, write that, that down. That might spawn another poem. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Um, this poem I wrote at a particular function. The platform was Arts by the People was hosting in Marstown, and I was noticed it was where you took several poets uh, two, two of whom, whom we know fairly well, and uh, they were re- reading their poems based on art that they'd seen. And this is one of my favorite forms of creating poetry because you are basing it off of art. So your so someone else's art influences your art. Therefore, should you opt to publish poems one day, your Art will influence another person's art. So it was a nice little cyclical thing that I noticed. So I wrote this one off of a fairly shitty memory I had when I was a teenager. Uh, Here we go. After tonight, you may not be wiser, but oh, you will learn. Some say you were brave, but deep down you will still feel foolish. The lesson will not kick in till years later you will have the added setback of being too young to drink this failure of a date away sadly the underdog it does not win in this film in fact the underdog will be will be crowned king of the first attempts lord of the almost but not quite demigod of all the young men who hold bouquet of roses only then to become immortalized in a Banksy painting meanwhile you'll feel as used as some girls do the night after prom and the dress shirt you are wearing will serve as armor wrinkled yet damaged for some other boy who thinks his confidence will survive being used by another siren who will claim to be who will claim herself to be a church girl and see everyone will care that your ticket was punched in the worst way possible but you'll be so used to the rejection by that point you will call you will not call yourself shocked but you will be shocked if it had ended any other way uh, I would say there's a lot of furniture in that room in terms of imagery. Yeah, you put a, a ton in there. Um, that's not good. That's great because I, I know anybody can relate to it and feel that. Yeah, feel I that. I wrote it. I if you don't mind if I talk about it. For Go a ahead. Bit. I wrote it because I had just been through a very crappy day. I asked a girl out to go to this winter formal with me, and she said sure, and I'm excited because this is like the first time a woman's ever given me like a green light to take her out somewhere publicly and um so i'm excited i'm prepped i got her a no i didn't get her a corsage i wasn't that full-blown like hard eyes and all but i was i was ready i was pumped and so we i meet her there i take her in and once the dance started getting around 
we, the high school we went to, same amount of people go to our church, and so we're friends with similar people in the same circles. So she managed to dance with all the other guys except the one who brought her. The one who got her ticket. I've been and there, I, man. I've been there. <laughs> and I, um, I, and it was weird because before I left, uh, the principal of my high school at that time, who went to the same church as we did, and here's the kicker, knew my father as he taught at the same high school as she had done. So it was a matter of, I'm sticking up for the son of, you know, this teacher that was really cool. I'm sticking up for a fellow church member. And it was just like, next time, if you're going to bring a date, make sure she's with you. And I didn't know any better by that point. So, and apparently I had befriended this security guard who'd taken me under his wing as like his son and further pushed his love of poetry on to me. So we bonded that way. And he said, Hey, I heard what happened. Are you okay? And I said, I'm, I'm fine. You know, and he was like, just know that was her, not you. Right. It was like goodwill hunting, but a lot less emotion, <laughs> emotional. It was like, no, that was good. her, not you. And I was, I was looking at this painting of a blouse all wrinkled and whatnot. And I just thought, wow. So I wrote it to express a couple things. Vulnerability emotionally, because I think we are at this point in our culture as Americans where a lot of, particularly for men, a lot of the masculinity that we had learned growing up needs to be unlearned. We need to not take, not take self-pity, but we need to embrace that which makes us feel a little bit of pain in the moment and we need to create a society where hey you know what you got screwed over and it is okay to feel that way it is a right to your feelings you have every right to feel how you feel and so you don't have to and i was doing this a bit when it happened you don't have to put on this brave face as if what had happened did not hurt you so I wrote that poem as a way to say, hey, you know what? Yes, it's awful that men tend to use women just for sex, and that's horrible behavior that we hope to correct one day. But there, men, we too find ourselves being used by other people, and this is how we can express, and this is how we express it. So that's how I was reading it. I was reading it. That's what made me think of it as somewhere some guy is going to have a horrible experience and he's not going to know what to do with with it. And he'll feel like, well, society has always told me to just man up and not... Tough it, ex- out. Tough it out. Tough it out. Wear it, as we say. Wear, wear it. Own it. But it's like the experience is not what we should be owning. Own how it makes us feel in that moment. Process it. I like that. Talk about it with our close... Own how it makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it with our close friends, and then hopefully through talking and therapy, we can be better. So I wrote it as a real form to say to to guys everywhere, hey, we hurt too. We hurt too, and we have every right to our hurt. Um, So yeah, and that response came to just a lot of 
you know, we grew up in a, we are now come, we are now of age in a Me Too culture where men who have been predators towards women are being exposed, and that's a beautiful thing, and I applaud it, and that's something that ought to be happening. Mm. At the same time, we're dealing in a world where men have got to this whole thing of toughing it out has been killing us. Killing us in emotional senses, mentally, sometimes, not to get too morbid here, even literally, some we suffer from depression because we have been taught to keep it. Yeah, because in. we're not addressing it. We're not, yeah, we're not, we're not addressing, addressing it. We're not addressing so the problem. We've got to speak openly about it. And if at some point I will get a book of po- poems published, this will go in there. For sure. And it will sure. be some form to say, I was trying to reach out to any kind of dude who felt alone, who felt like, I don't know what to do with this anger, and I don't know, and I, I don't know how to properly take this pain that I'm feeling outward. And so, it's written as a way to go, hey, write it down. Express it with your people, with people who love you, you know. Always find, make a space for your self where you can just express it and go, hey, I feel heartbroken or this, I've been meeting this frustration and it's killing and it's starting to get at me. What is wrong with me? So I, that's why I wrote that poem. It was to say, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if, if I had to put a title on that, I think it would be TLC, Trust, Love, and Communication. Exactly. To get through, to get through everything. Yeah. Great explanation. A lot of furniture in the room. Um, as we wrap up here, Nick. Do you mind if I ask you questions? Go ahead, I don't yeah. Wanna, Go ahead. Um, I know you probably have a time constraint on this, but um, mm. what made you want... I, I, was, um, I watched your TED Talk at Esbury Park. Very, very nice. Um, Thank you. And, I, and then I heard a version of that at a... I think it might have been the first open mic you ever... That's where I tested it out. Yeah, performed uh, that's kind of yeah. what, I use, what I use it for, yeah. Yeah, and I was just blown away by by it, and I was moved by it because it was a... It's great, thank it you. It was a poem, it was a... It, yeah, I, I call it a poem for, for this topic. It was explaining and airing out, this is what I went through. Don't be grateful for what you have. Yes. Ease up on the self-pity. It, it was a lot of things that I felt meant a lot. And I am always in awe of people who take their disability and go, Hey, you know what? I'm putting it on Front Street. This is what I'm... These are the cards I've dealt it. with. T- take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, I had a friend tell me once... You know, and well, you probably you've heard this in so many different ways. We everyone has an issue. It just so happens that um, mine you, you you see sort of right off the bat. Right there's there's yeah. there's there's no way to hide it. And you hit it. It's it's it, it is what it is. What it says it is. It's perspective as a weapon. Yeah. And how and how you know my hardship is this thing called CP, and it's incessant. It'll be there every single day of my life. Right. Um, and that's one of my ways of tell my students be a palm tree bend but don't break and that's how I fight that's how I fight it um, through 
through, um, I guess you'd call it storytelling or literary. Yeah, I, I'd call much, that much in the same way that you do. Yeah, I've and I'm always, and the fact that you're a teacher, I can already imagine the amount of people that probably go, th- kids or young people that go through your high school, who may themselves even have a disability and go, wow, he's teaching. Maybe I could do that. Too. I need to keep telling myself that. I, I do. Yeah. I do. You're going to get lost in the the everyday grind of it. But I'll tell you what, the most fulfilling moments for me as a teacher is when I step back, or we, I should say, my, uh, us and my, my, my class, myself and my classes, sort of stay, uh, take a step back and we sort of look at life. Where are we? Um, I, I know we're in a Spanish class right now, but um, we're all in life. And yeah. that supersedes anything that we do. I'm very thankful for my education, but um, regardless of of where we are educationally, we're all in life. Can we can we have a talk like we're having right now? Can we yeah. talk a little bit about heroes, highlights, and hardships? And those, Nick, are the moments for me as a teacher that have that have been most fulfilling, and that will continue to be most fulfilling. Yeah, and I like. My father was a teacher. My grandmother was both a teacher and dean of students at a college in New York. So I I have a massive level of respect. My hat goes off to you guys and all who practice your profession. Um, you, yeah, let me just tell you Go for it. something that you may not hear enough. And God knows our we don't pay you enough. Um, but these are the best I can give as far as words go. You have probably the most important and critical job ever, particularly in terms of art, and I'll explain. There, I believe art, be it painting, dancing, theater, poetry, storytelling... I do believe in the power of art. I believe it saves people's lives. And the first instinct, the first touch of art that you usually get, if it's not in the home and you're not blessed to come from privileged artistic parents, you you get it through the classroom, through the school, and you get it from, you know, be it your teacher. Um, I'm going to speak on English and other subjects because math was already a subject I did. I didn't get it. I hated you and me it. both. You and me both. <laughs> um, but no, I'd say the job of the teacher is not just to educate and not just to learn and not just to divulge general information. It is to inspire. It is to light a candle. It is to go, you know, some kid who's maybe coming from a rough situation at home is isn't sitting in, you know, is like trying to conjugate these verbs from English to Spanish and just might not understand the headspace for it. And so he may, they may or may not flunk a test. And you all, and you have the power to go, hey, but you know what? I recognize the effort. I recognize that you tried. You put your heart into this test. 
So don't ever let the letter grade determine who who you are or make you feel a certain way about your. You are not your grade. You are not your grade. You have value, young person. You matter, and what and what you will do, and whatever you do, be it a positive thing, it will matter. So I will always have nothing but love and respect for teachers, regardless of the subject. Um, particularly, but you know, in a thing in like common music is like. There's a, there's always some verse that always has some hip hop artist talking about how uh, the teacher hated me. Teacher never gave me jack, and I am not lyrically gifted like that. So you will not be seeing me making any hip hop <laughs> records anytime soon. I am sorry. Not be a lyricist. Yeah, but um, performer, that's all. But one thing I would just, I'd always thought would be amazing was if I ever came out with the hip hop record. The first line of any rap I would give would be, shout out to any and all teachers who gave a shit. Shout out to the ones who made me feel like I could come from something as humble as this. Shout out to any who encouraged me to pursue my, to pursue my dreams, to chase it like nothing else was holding me back. Shout out to the ones who had always had your back when things might not have gone through and said, hey, but you know what? You tried. You tried, and I respect your effort, and I respect the fact that you you gave it a shot. So that's just my thing of going, you know what? Hats off to any who opt, who opt to teach because I truly do believe you guys have, have will inspire the next generation. You give us the artists for the future, and you guys just you ought to be treated better than the way that you are. I mean, you ought to be getting paid those millions of dollars the sports guys are, in my opinion. But hey, that's just me. I appreciate all, all of the respect, and, and you know this, but I am a product of. of of my environment and my environment throughout my life has been has been my my parents, my siblings, and then after that it is my teachers and my coaches as well. So yeah. uh, many compliments you 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 give me go back years and years and years as well. Thank you for the respect, Nick. Uh, final question: a couple of things I wanted you to share, um, just a bit of advice for those who uh, felt like they have hit rock bottom. Okay. It is never as bad as it seems. There is always hope. I know it sounds hokey. There is always hope. I, I, I have been there too. We have all been there. Some of us, some, for some of us, it's a little harder. Than others, and you make your way out of it at your own pace, at your own time. Don't ever look around and see everyone's enjoying the sunlight and the rainbows and the flowers, and I'm here stuck bottom in this. May I curse on this or do go for it? It's and I'm stuck here in this fucking ditch. What is wrong with me? Why can't I move forward? Why? Why can't I seem to do jack shit right? 
Hey, it's, we all get out of the dark place on our own, our own way. You know, for some of us, it's writing a poem. For some of us, it's talking to people. For some of us, it's creating a podcast. For some of us, it's drawing, going out and seeing people. I know it's hard. Maybe it's one of the reasons you're there. Sometimes it's the job that we have. As much of a grind as it may be, it might be something that goes, hey, it might not be all that bad. I can only say this. It will get better. The sunlight is a whole lot closer than you think. And, hey, maybe your rock bottom isn't even cloudy or rainy. Maybe it's, I'm in the middle of a desert. I don't have fucking water. I'm tired of the goddamn sun. Hey, well then, you know what? That refreshing rainstorm is right up the hill. It's right over that hill. The the day may be hard, but I pro. The day may be cold and hard, but I promise you the night will bring you some kind of warmth if that's where you take your solace in. And you owe it to yourself, not to anybody else. Fuck everybody else. You owe it to yourself to see it through one more try. You owe it to yourself too. Pick that, to pick your baseball up again, to pick the paintbrush up again, the pen, the, the still, whatever you may be doing that's positive to the universe. I don't want you to go, I'm in such a terrible condition, I feel like taking everybody out, let me go get a machine. No, 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 put, put, put that down. That's not gonna help anybody. Um, it will get better hope never lose hope never lose hope um turn to faith if you must if that's your thing if it's not then find someone who says to you hey you know what you had a bad day but you know what the world didn't end did it you're still here Right. We're still here. I haven't abandoned you yet. Um, just that. The world does not end. Hope always is never out of reach. Never out of reach, regardless of what people may say. And I know it sounds, some of you listening to this might go, yeah. It's but, real. What, what, but Nick, what you're saying is real. Yeah, what you're saying is 100% real, and and if yeah, this is um, a lot less um, dressing than what you said, but there's a lot there's a lot that that is said for someone who just does not go away. Yeah, if you just don't go away, um, you're giving yourself yeah. a chance. And it's think of think of where you come, where you came from. Right. Think of that last storm you made it. Through, um, I know you teach, so I'll relate this to your students. Man, I flunked that math test. I don't know how I'm going to handle the Spanish test if I fail. Hey, but you know what? You did you try? Did you swing for the fences on that 
test. Did you try to convert every possible, every verb the way it was needed to? If the answer is yes to that question, then my friend, you're in good standing. You did absolutely everything you could. You could. Uh, you sounded a lot like uh, uh, John Wooden, the, the old basketball coach. Did you ever, ever yeah. read any of his literature? I have not. I've, That's basically what he's talking about uh, with success. Yeah. Did you do absolutely everything you possibly could do to accomplish a task? And sometimes you don't, and you win. Yeah. That's not success. Yeah. Sometimes you do everything that you can, and you know you lose. There's a different perspective there. Yeah, I think you, you know what? You're speaking a lot to it. Some I don't mean to get into like a little tangent, but I'm just going to say this. I think we need to stop having failure means what it means because if you think about it, the word fail is an acronym. It means first attempt in learning. Ooh, yes. First attempt in learning. So I think we need to re structure how we think of the word failure or failing it's like man i failed hey no 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 no. you that was your first attempt in learning that doesn't mean you can't have other shots or other tries so and we learn a whole lot more from how we fail than from when we win do we not yes yes my brother has told me analyze your failures look at failure as as learning but don't uh, fixate on them. There's, I think there's a very yep, fine line on it. between learning and analyzing and fix, fixating on it. Um, so, yeah. Um, Mr. Fox, thank, thank you. You're very welcome. Much value Bomb this. After Value Bomb with Nick Davis, episode 48. Um, thank you, Nick. A uh, couple of things before we go. I know we said we're going to wrap it up, but we, you just kept, kept dropping value bombs. Um, let's do this. Who would you like to hear on an upcoming podcast? Um, more artists are always great. Um, Anybody in particular? Whew. Yeah. This guy might be out of your wheelhouse, but it's you. I, I, I don't leave anything past you. Um, if you were to have Kevin Smith give you an interview, the filmmaker, I guarantee you that would be a tremendous thing to see or to hear and behold. Um, He's going on the list? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's important to hear from artists, maybe some of your fellow teachers. I'm not really sure how you... Well, I'm getting I'm getting your opinion. I think Kevin Thanks. Smith... You're talking about Kevin Smith like of Mallrats? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Clerks? Yeah. Good. Chasing Amy? Yeah. That's really, really cool. That's, yeah, I mean, because he... To me, he's given me a f- large amount of uh, inspiration because I can tell you right now, there were times when I was in a low, a real low spot. And he's always, or I've been in like a creative slump. I don't know how to create something. And he has, he says this that I've always found incredibly meaningful. He says, anybody can say why not. I mean, I'm not, you'll edit this out. It's easy to say why. Hey, I want to make a film. Why? Hey, I want to paint. I want to be a poet. Why? Why do you want to do that? But it takes 
guts in it, it takes a lot to just say, why not? And if I can impart anything to my, any artist who may hear this, surround yourself with a group of people that say, why not? A group of why nots. Yeah. There, 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 there's a lot of strength in that. Yeah. Thank you for all this wisdom. I mean, I, I knew we were going, you were going to share a lot, but you really opened up in the beginning and it really um, paved the way for, for a nice chat that I think a lot of people are going to benefit from. Do you have any upcoming events? That you, um, you're speaking at that you, you, you anything like to... upcoming? I have. I'll plug this. I'm part of uh, Moving Words, another uh, project that Arts by the People offers. It is a here in New Jersey. I'm here in New Jersey. Well, the writer, well, the poets and the recording of the poems will be coming from New Jersey, but the art will be. Uh, done from the students from the tel- from the animation school over in Tel Aviv, wow. Israel, and um, it'll be toured around as a bit of a film film festival for this for the upcoming summer, and um, that's going on. I can always be found at the platform first Wednesday of the month. Anything that they're doing, I'm usually I try my best to be there. Um, yeah, anything major happening? Not particularly. Uh, if you're looking for more of my poems, as scarcely as you may find them, please go on artsbythepeople.org. Look up Jump the Turnstile, Turn Style, and you'll see a video. One of my poems is dedicated to called Somewhere in Heaven. Um, there's that one, and then... There is, if you're into other podcasts, uh, if I may plug some Go for friends it. of mine, uh, the Weekly Villain had a podcast a few, several months back where they took on uh, villains from classic literature and wanted literary pieces from their point of view. And I had written a poem for them, and I had written a poem for them, uh, they liked it, it got put to the podcast it's at the end of the episode uh and the character is medusa hmm. so um if you want you can go on their website theweeklyvillain.com to listen or um i have a soundcloud account at nick davis 25 i can be found on twitter at nick davis 25 so yeah thank you for the opportunity for letting me plug plug myself a bit. Like I said, I'm not the best at it, but... I, I beg to differ, and I think a lot of people that, that... I think everyone who listens to this will, will beg to differ. Thank you for opening up uh, opening up so much about you in the beginning, sharing your poems and your advice toward the end. This has been spectacular, Nick. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much. Thank you, Fox. Thank you. Have a good one, everyone. We will. We will. This will wrap up episode 48 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Nick and I will talk to you all later. Take good care. You have been listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Because impact on each other is the greatest currency you could ever have.